Good evening. Time being Please seven o'clock for our September sixth, two thousand twenty-three meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Announcements from the Chair. All citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone or you may click the Zoom link that is posted on the agenda and on the town's website. The phone number is 1929-205-6099 and the Zoom ID is 835-8547-9080 and then you need to add the pound sign. Once again, the meeting ID 835-8547-9080 pound. If residents are just interested in watching the meeting, it will also be live streamed by Franklin TV. Uh, second announcement chair, from the chair is Councillor Frangillo will be participating remotely this evening. And that's it from the chair. Citizens' comments. Citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda. The council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. The town council will give remarks appropriate consideration and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Nancy. Oh, I'm sorry. I, was, I don't think I think you're on. Mute. Sorry. I was gonna say he can't be here. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't look like he can. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Just like texted him, but I don't think. I think he can. Uh, oh, it's not. Okay, okay yeah. Okay, Chris Good. Yeah. Yep. Hi. Thank you, <laughs> Nancy Danello, Town Clerk. So today was the last day to return so I now have the official list of candidates for the November 7th biennial town election. The following names will be on the ballot. And yes, I am going to read them all. <laughs> Board of Assessors, vote for two. I have Cheryl Hanley and Dan Ballinger. Dan is an incumbent. Board of Health, vote for two. I have Jeffrey Harris. That's it. Constables, vote for three. Philip Brunelli, Daniel McCahill, and John Power, all incumbents. Planning Board, vote for three, four-year term. Greg Rondo, Christopher Stickney, and Jason Mello. School Committee, vote for seven. David Callahan, David McNeil, Al Charles, 
Ruth Ann O'Sullivan, Erin Ford Gallagher, Paul Griffith, and KP Sampali. The only race, town council, vote for nine. Deborah Pellegri, Patrick Sheridan, Glenn Jones, Thomas Mercer, Kobe Brangillo, Melanie Hamblin, Robert DeLorco, Brian Chandler, Theodore Cormier Ledger, and Charles F. Bailey. <clears throat> so, we lost our longest living um, resident of Franklin. Sadly, Wayne <coughs> Spencer passed away on August 24th at the age of 102. I just wish to express my deepest condolences to the Nasuti Spencer family. Great loss for the town. She was a wonderful lady. And that's all I have, Mr. Mercer. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nancy. Is there anyone else in council chambers? Please, uh, just come forward. Name and address, please. Good evening. My name is Sharon Bogray. I live at 50 Shady Lane. I just have a brief statement that I wanted to share tonight. Um, and I'm not sure what I want the outcome to be, but I do want to express um, my opinion and concern. So in July, I bought and moved into a new home. We previously lived in Medway for six years, and we were very excited to move to Franklin. As we have family here, it is a bigger town offering increased opportunities, and it's more diverse. So I have multiple school-aged children and was disappointed when I brought my son to the middle school tour at Annie Sullivan. Uh, it was brought to my attention at that time that the enrichment programs at the school have been canceled this year, not just Annie Sullivan, but all of the middle schools, and that they would be replaced through programming through lifelong learning. And along with that, I was surprised that the enrollment at the school has declined. In June, their enrollment was 116 students in sixth grade, and as of now, it's 81. So that's a 30% decrease, which is quite significant. So I'm curious as to why is there a decrease such as this? And when I looked at the programs that Lifelong Learning was offering, they had three different programs for sixth graders, which is my son's age. They had cooking class, which is $150 for five sessions, lasting about five weeks. They offered basic Spanish, which he already is semi-fluent in. And they offer music and band offerings for $350 for half, um, half a year lessons, or to other types of programs like orchestra and stuff. So, just thinking about these things and the cost to move to Franklin and my expectations and what I've heard about Franklin and its reputation, I was just kind of surprised and disappointed by what is being offered and kind of the status of the schools. Uh, so I'm eager to kind of learn more, figure out what's going on, how I can get involved and help make improvements. So that's just what I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Please come forward. And then just your name and address, please. Hi, I am Avnish, and I am from 205 Parker Street. 
So I have uh, I have been yeah. president of uh, Franklin for like 15, 16 years. So my uh, I wanted to continue with the lady before me that uh, I have seen that the services are going down, the expenses are going up, like the taxes and the additional some expenses for the like uh, water and uh, storm water thing and some community whatever in the taxes. So I'm little and the major um, issue I was having was with the yard waste pickup thing. Yeah. When I came to this city, it was the major, major thing that it was every um, like weekend, a week of uh, spring and fall. Now it is once. Um, once in spring and once in fall. So that is pushing me to have a truck or, or like hire some people to do my yard work, which is too expensive. So, and then the expenses are increasing. The yard, like the waste pickup, just the waste pickup, that expense have increased a lot, but uh, the service has decreased. So last year, last to last year or something, so there was fall, the mm, yard was, waste was to be picked once, but still that was on that day, was told <coughs> it was not coming. You can take it to the beaver. So I was like, I had collected there like 40 bags because it is once a fall. And now I have to pick it everything and just go to the beaver. So these kind of things are a little disheartening. And uh, it's okay, I know the inflation is increasing, but there has to be like the services. If you are cutting on services, then there shouldn't be an increase in the price. If you are keeping those services, then the increase in price is accepted. It's, it's okay. That is increase in the whatever trucks or whatever. So both ways having that, it is a double, double jeopardy. So I am little just wanting to bring it up that uh, at least the yard waste pickup, just bring it up, bring it back with the expenses we are like paying for the waste pickup. And then again, like uh, for the what you call it? This is my first time, so I'm little. Um, for the water thing, storm water. So that's kind of little. We were paying for the water. Water is like there must be the expenses included in there for the cleaning of water and supply of water. Everything is there. We were paying for it. Now this additional thing, I don't understand it. And then again the taxes we are paying is it is for the whole community like it's it inclusive of everything and uh, and it's increasing every it's percentage wise it was I think 11% and now it's like 16 or something so and in in that adding a community expense of $60 or something that's kind of per quarter so just bring, wanted to bring it up and uh, just keep it low that would be helpful thank, thank you, you. <laughs> Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Seeing no one, is there anyone out there in Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? I don't see any. Okay, moving on. The next item on the agenda is the approval of minutes. I'd entertain a motion to approve the minutes 
from July 19th, 2023. So moved. Second. Motion and second. <coughs> Discussion, additions, deletions. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, roll signal. Call. Roll, call. Oh, roll call, sorry. Roll call. Clerk will call the roll. It is. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Sheridan. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Jello. Yes. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Jones. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. Nine zero, sir. Motion carries. Uh, proclamations and recognitions. We don't have any this evening. Uh, appointments. We have a couple. The first uh, appointment is to the Design Review Commission. Uh, Andrew Pratt. Uh, clerk will read the appointment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is an appointment for the Design Review Commission for Mr. Andrew Pratt at 158 Pleasant Street, Franklin, Mass. 02038. The town administrator has appointed, uh, subject to town council ratification, Andrew Pratt to serve as a member of the Design Review Commission with a term to expire on June 30th, 2026. This is a motion to ratify the appointment by the town administrator of Andrew Pratt to serve as a member of the Design Review Commission. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. Jamie? Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman. Andrew uh, has been moved to Franklin a few years ago, and he's gotten settled. Uh, he loves the community, and he's now looking to get involved in the town. Um, and, uh, and so he chose uh, Design Review because he was actually interested in looking at signs. So uh, perfect fit. And there are still a couple of other vacancies on Design Review, so if other people are interested in that stuff, uh, submit an application. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion and clerk will call the roll. Sheridan? Yes. Romy Legend? Yes. Rangillo? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Hamblin? Yes. Blagri? Yes. Jones? Yes. Vice Chair? Yes. Chair? Yes. Nine zeros. Motion carries. Okay, next is uh, appointment to the Municipal Affordable Housing Trust. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would, <laughs> I would and not do the last name justice. So I'm going to ask the clerk to uh, read the appointment. <laughs> That's known as chickening up. <laughs> I've been waiting all night, and this is this is called butchering. That's okay. You can call me Jaya. I'm going to try it anyway. I'm going to try it anyway, just for the record. Bad at butchering. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is an appointment to the Municipal Affordable Housing Trust for uh, Jaya via Hara Harandavan, 34 Palomino Drive. Vijay Radhavan. Thank you. Franklin Mass 0238. The town administrator has appointed, uh, has appointed subject to council ratification. Yeah, to serve as a member of the Municipal Affordable Housing Trust with the term to expire on June 30th, 2024. This is a motion ratify the appointment by the town administrator of Yaha to serve as a member of the Municipal Affordable Housing Trust. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. Jamie. <laughs> Through you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, uh, Jaya attended the uh, uh, recent meeting. Uh, is very interested in getting to know uh, the full slate of housing issues in town, uh, which is a perfect fit for this committee. Um, so we're very grateful for her stepping up to the plate and, uh, and volunteering on a new topic. So it's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the council? Uh, the vote will come on the appointment. Clerk will call the roll. Romeo Electric? Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Jillo? Yes. 
Floyd Reed. Yes. Hamblin. Yes. Joan Jess, Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. Nine zero seven. Motion carries. <clears throat> Next is fire department, new employee. Chief. Please come forward. No need to introduce yourself. You're a frequent visitor. Thank you, Chan. <laughs> Town Council, we are not here to ask for a truck tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, That's good because you know what the truck is. Truth. We're here to proudly present our six new fire officers and a new recent hire with the Franklin Fire Department. Uh, we are promoting tonight a battalion chief, a fire captain, an EMS captain, three lieutenants. Uh, the promotional process is a very competitive process with the fire department and all six of these firefighters work very hard to attain what they got and we've got all the confidence in the world for them and them for their new role. Uh, we also want to congratulate the family and friends, particularly the family and friends that are here tonight. Uh, in the fire service, for these firefighters that come to work every day and deal with people at their worst possible day, they need to be a right sound, sound mind and body. And on behalf of the department, I want to thank the family and the friends of all these firefighters here tonight for providing that um, support at home to allow them to do their job. It's very, very important in, in today's world. And before I, I, I give the podium to Deputy uh, Barberi, who's going to do the brief biographies of each department, we do have retired battalion chief Steve Sims, 35-year uh, veteran who just retired, who is responsible for part three of these promotions tonight. Anyway, <laughs> he's here, and I'd just like to recognize him. Say, so, Chief, thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Mr. Chairman, members of the town council. Our first promo promotion this evening is battalion chief. Battalion Chief Thomas Kineshna. He was appointed to the Franklin Fire Department in 1996. He was promoted to lieutenant in 1999. He was promoted to captain in 2020. He's been a paramedic since 1988. He holds an associate's degree in fire science. He previously worked for the Milford Regional Medical Center, Milford Hospital, as a paramedic, as well as, as, well as the city of Attleboro Fire Department. Tonight, he has a fallen family in attendance, his wife Kristen, son Kevin, daughter Kelly, brothers, retired Captain David Konechna, and Deputy Paul Konechna, both of the Dudley Fire Department. Mr. Konechna, I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Thomas Konechna, I, Thomas Konechna, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear, to faithfully execute the duties faithfully execute the duties as a battalion chief as a battalion chief for the town of Franklin for the town of Franklin with respect with respect integrity integrity and excellence and excellence and to uphold the mission of the department to uphold the mission of the department the constitution the constitution statutes, statutes and, regulations and regulations of the United States of America of the United States of America and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the charter and bylaws and the Charter and Bylaws of the Town of Franklin. Of the Town of Franklin. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations, God. And his wife, Kristen, will be pinning his badge. A lot of paramedics here, so if you draw right, you
Saints, we have a promotion of captain, Captain Paul Mola. Paul was appointed to the Franklin Fire Department as a call member in 1997. He was appointed to the Franklin Fire Department as a career firefighter in January of 2001. He was promoted to lieutenant in 2020. He holds a bachelor's degree in business administration from Dean College. He's currently working on a master's degree in emergency services management. Mr. Mola, please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Paul Mola, I, Paul Mola do, solemnly swear do solemnly swear to faithfully execute the duties, faithfully execute the duties as, a captain as a captain for the town of Franklin, for the town of Franklin with, respect, with respect, integrity, integrity and, excellence, and excellence, and to uphold the mission of the department, to uphold the, mission of the, department the, constitution, the Constitution, statutes and regulations of the United States of America, statutes and, regulations of the United States of America and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Massachusetts. And the charter and bylaws of the town of Franklin. The charter and bylaws of the town of Franklin. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations. <laughs> his wife, Christine, will be pinning his badge. New EMS captain, Captain Lori Kay. She was appointed to the Franco Fire Department in March of 2000. She was promoted to lieutenant in July of 2020. She holds an associate's degree in paramedic technology from Northeastern University. She holds a bachelor's degree in emergency medical services management from Franklin Pierce University. Her previous experience includes working for Chalk Ambulance Service an American medical response in the Newton and Waltham 911 services. Laurie, I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I, Laurie Kay, I, Laurie Kay, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear, to faithfully execute the duties, faithfully execute the duties, as an EMS captain, as an EMS captain, for the town of Franklin, for the town of Franklin, with respect, with respect, integrity, integrity and excellence. And to uphold the mission of the department, and to uphold the mission of the department, the Constitution, the Constitution, statutes and regulations, statutes and regulations of the United States of America, of the United States of America, and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and the Charter and Bylaws, and the Charter and Bylaws of the Town of Franklin. So help me God. So help me God. Fire Department in May of 2015. He holds a bachelor's degree from UMass Amherst. He's currently working on a master's degree in emergency management from Columbia Southern University. He previously worked for the Bourne Fire Department from 2013 to 2015. Tonight he has the following family members in attendance, his wife Elena, son Luke, mother Sally, father Mark, and father-in-law Peter. <laughs> 
<laughs> the next lieutenant is Lieutenant John Chark. He was appointed to the Franklin Fire Department in December of 2005. He holds a bachelor's degree in aeronautical engineering from the Lowborough University in the UK. He also has a, has a master's degree in public administration from Anna Maria College. He previously worked for Cataldo Ambulance from 2003 to 2005. Tonight, he has the following family members in attendance. His wife, Helen, daughters, Millie, and Harriet. The last lieutenant is Lieutenant Matthew Kelly. He was appointed to the Franco Fire Department as a call member in 1996. He was appointed to the Franco Fire Department as a career firefighter in July 1998. He obtained his EMT paramedic certification in June of 1998. He holds an associate's degree in fire science from Columbia Southern University. He pre previously worked for American Medical Response. Tonight he has the following family in attendance, his wife Jenny, son Daniel, and daughter Abby. Gentlemen, I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Michael Berthium. I, Michael Berthium. I, Jonathan Chalk. I, Jonathan Chalk. I, Matthew Kelly. I, Matthew Kelly. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. To faithfully execute the duties. To faithfully execute the duties. As a lieutenant. As a lieutenant. For the town of Franklin. For the town of Franklin. With respect. With integrity. Integrity. And excellence. And excellence. And to uphold the mission of the department. And to uphold the mission of the department. The Constitution. Constitution. Statutes and regulations. Of the United States of America and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the Charter and Bylaws of the Town of Franklin. So help me God. Congratulations. Perfume will be pinned by his wife on Luke. by his wife, Helen. firefighter Jack Lennon. He was appointed to Franco Fire Department April of 2023. He's a licensed electrician. He's currently taking classes towards his Associates of Science and Emergency Medical Services. He previously worked for the Medway Fire Department for seven years. 
Jack, I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Jack Lennon. I, Jack Lennon. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. To faithfully execute. To faithfully execute. The duties of, as a firefighter slash paramedic. The duties of a firefighter slash paramedic. <laughs> for the town of Franklin. For the town of Franklin. With respect. With respect. Integrity. Integrity. And excellence. And excellence. And to uphold the mission. And to uphold the mission. Of the department. Of the department. The constitution. The constitution. Statutes and regulations. Statutes and regulations. Of the United States of America. Of the United States of America. And the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And the charter and bylaws. And the charter and bylaws. Of the town of Franklin. Of the town of Franklin. So help me God. So help me God. Congrats. Congratulations. His girlfriend, Nikki Elward, is here tonight. She will be pinning his badge. recess uh, give the council uh, an opportunity to congratulate these <laughs> great people thank you Presentations and discussions. The first one, Dean College Update, President Elmore. Hey, Welcome. Thank you, uh, Chair, and appreciation to the Council, and also congratulations to all the folks who are there. You see that one of them is a Dean College alum, so it's good to see. A year ago, about a year ago, I, I came here and promised to come back and give an update over the course of the year, and that's what I want to do. I want to give an update about the year, and I think that the real important piece is we had a number of efforts with local businesses, organizations within town to strengthen the notion that Franklin is Dean's campus and Dean College is Franklin's campus. Each year to Franklin, we bring a number of people. We bring artists and the neurodiverse. We bring people who are the first in their generations and their families to go to college. We bring the curious, of course, and we bring people who are looking for incredible joy. We also bring folks who aren't always popular in popular culture and maybe overlooked, and we also bring a lot of high achievers into Franklin. Uh, I recognize that a college, especially a college like Dean College, is, uh, is a steward of the public trust. We're educational partners, financial drivers, and also community partners here in Franklin and around the country in SAP. My goal is to make sure that we fulfill a vision at Dean College, and that is to inspire and create a high-value, proactive learning environment that students desire and also deserve, and to make sure that they can build their careers and reach their human potential. And I think Franklin has a lot to do with how we do this together. Just first off, a few things about us, uh, just from an economic standpoint. We're, we are 379 employees, 78 of which, who, 78 of whom live in Franklin. In the last five years, we, and I should say this, we do pay taxes. I think there's this thing out there that we don't pay taxes. Uh, I know there's mention of stormwater, and I can tell you, we do pay our taxes on those. 
Last five years, we had over $400,000 in real estate taxes. And then in certain properties, just the loan, $40,000 over the course of the $40,000 in the last year. We put out about $2.9 million in local scholarships in the last five years. And we estimate that about 1,600 faculty, staff, students spend in Franklin. And annually, more than 25,000 visitors come for our programs, conferences, meetings, and all sorts of things that happen. Further on the economic, economic uh, impact, we uh, had a study that was done by ES, ESI eConsult, and within the state, uh, Dean College's economic impact is roughly 116 million. That incorporates operations capital and, and ancillary spending. And we spend about, we pay about $4 million in tax revenue that we generate to Massachusetts. Uh, in the region, our economic impact is about 88 million, and that includes Franklin. Our values in D at Dean College are a few things that I think are fall right in line with what Franklin is all about. We've got a willingness to affirm each other's dignity and we value the notions of diversity. We are about collaboration and entrepreneurship for relevant learning. You've got to do that in this day and age. It can't be the traditional. We also are about programmatic innovation and growth, not only in the numbers of students and how we work with them, but also different ways that we uh, connect with each other. For example, just now I was trying to uh, cavort with our fire chief to see if there were ways that we can combine workforce and economic, workforce, economic and learning opportunities that incorporate EMT and fire with our educational programs. And we also try to make sure that we maintain active learning spaces and that's what you do in that, those things, you collaborate. We also are about, and certainly as of late, removing barriers and fences. That's an important thing. And that's a value, that's an important value, whether they be symbolic or actual. And then at Dean College, we take a whatever it takes mentality to make sure our students succeed and to make sure that we succeed as a college. Now, this whole notion of a Franklin is Dean's campus and Dean is Franklin's campus is really important. I think, and uh, Councilor Jones and I had this conversation almost a year ago, where we said, let's create an invitation to reimagine what it means to be a college town. And uh, that has been a bit of our mission. We want to employ our innovative selves, when I say our innovative selves, Franklin and also Dean College, to work outside of what's been traditional. By college town, I'm not thinking about the college town I left in Boston. I'm talking about a new college town and all that goes with that. And here's how I think Franklin can help us meet our goals and for us to meet some goals in Franklin. I think that mission critical priorities for Dean that dovetail into what we could do together. We have to amplify our diversity and global footprint. And when I say that, that means that we bring people from all over the world into Dean College annually. And we want to make sure that we are able to use that diverse footprint to be engaged in a number of things that go on in town. We also uh, are about creating mission-driven but also market-responsive curricular programs, co-curricular and actual curricular programs. So what's that mean? It means that I'm hoping that we can engage more with internships, jobs, apprenticeships, and other ways that our students can have platforms and also the ways that Franklin can utilize our educational expertise in the city and in, in the town as well. 
We also embrace relationships at Dean College, and we hope that there is that embrace that's here in Franklin as well. I have loved seeing uh, churches and some stores who've put Welcome Back Dean uh, in some of their spaces. That has been absolutely wonderful. And you know, we should probably do the same and say Welcome Back Franklin um, to get that, fra that flag uh, flying as well. And then for us, it also is about cost effectiveness and quality. And those are the sorts of things that we have to worry about, as you do. Of note, uh, we will be reimagining our Dean Neighborhood Alliance. And what, what I mean by that is, I would like to make sure that in the Dean Neighborhood Alliance, it's not just sort of a general open cast for any concerns that people have. We can do that too, but I actually want to talk more and more about some of these things that I just mentioned in terms of how we can talk about the expectations that folks in Franklin might have for Dean and ways that we can make those expectations work together. And, and do some of these sorts of things. Uh, I love that we had this incredible commencement turnout. A lot of folks from Franklin came out last year, and I hope we'll be able to do the same uh, again. We have uh, relocated our School of Business to uh, 137 School Street, so there'll be a little bit more traffic on School Street, foot traffic on School Street as a part of that. And I have had a wonderful opportunity over the course of this year, and especially over the summer, to talk with businesses and organizations about uh, prospective and potential partnerships for jobs, internships, and, uh, and everything in life. Franklin TV, for example, has some of our students who are working there. They've been producing shows and doing this kind of work as well. And I have been really excited about the way we've worked with Franklin Recreational. Franklin Recreation to tie our intramurals and other programs together uh, and field use together in terms of that. I hope too that uh, we continue to make sure that Franklin residents are joining us in conversations uh, in and around our shows and our athletic events in the arts as well. Now a few things that are coming up that are pretty important and I just want to make mention of in terms of this connection with the, the town. Um, we will be working with Franklin Public Library, and I'm glad that we are able to do this. We did remove some fences, literally some fences. Uh, I think that the chair mentioned a, a story that I told him a, a while ago. And that story was that I was with a number of college presidents, and we were asked to talk a little bit about concerns we had, but also these really wonderful opportunities that we have with the town, uh, the towns that we work out of. And I made this comment that we have the oldest public lending library literally on our campus, on our campus. Maybe not in fact, but it's there. <laughs> and we have a fence around it. And I said, one of the things that I've got to do is to pull it up. And we were able, it took, took me about a year, but we were able to pull up the fence, and that was an important thing. Well, I'm pleased to say that we are gonna have a number of joint programs with the Franklin Public Library, including pre and post show conversations and discussions that the Franklin Public Library is going to be running. They'll be open and free to the public. And also, if you go to the show, too, you'll get uh, a discounted price to go to that show. I'm really excited about that, that collaboration that's happening. You all know that we, I, I'm a college president. One of the things I do is I ask for things, especially money. And so uh, we have a golf tournament that's coming up on the 18th of September. And it is for student scholarships. And I hope folks will engage that. I'm really excited about what's going to happen this Saturday. Uh, I saw our superintendent here at Franklin High School, but we are at the Dean Bulldogs. are going to be going to Piscini uh, Stadium, where we are going to play Nichols College this Saturday night 
at uh, 7.30. So I hope that folks will be able to join us there. Uh, our students, our faculty, our staff, we're excited, and we hope that we get a really a wonderful Franklin turnout there for that, and that we can continue to make this a tradition and to do it more often. Finally, this is the start of a new year for us along Main Street, and for some of us from religious traditions, this is also uh, a new year. And I just merely say, as we move into the new year, we meaning uh, the folks who are part of the Dean College community and the Franklin community, that we move together, face forward, greeting our futures with both hope and also incredible aspiration for things that will come. That's a quote from Howard Thurman, and uh, I thought uh, it would be wonderful to end with that. So I know you have a long agenda, and what I wanted to do was just to give a brief update, and I hope that I see you and other folks in and around, and I'd be more than happy to uh, take questions in that manner and also to talk more and more about Dean College. We have a couple of minutes, Ken. I'll oh. see if the council, any questions or comments? Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you. President Elmore, it's always great to see you. You too. Um, and this is just really a comment. I don't have any questions. I just think the energy that you brought to the school, the vibrancy that we can feel in the community is very real. And keep up the good work. Thank because you. the the change is like night and day. And I truly feel like Dean is tr making a huge effort to be more a part of our community and it's very very much appreciated i've gone to several things now at the school enjoyed them very much the kids are always very welcoming very polite uh, so we're just just know that it's being noticed by the chair thank you and uh you know hopefully that energy really goes towards the vision that i've been talking about and we can grow this and when i say grow it we grow it together thank you thank you council jones thank you mr chairman President Hummel, thank you for taking your time out of this schedule and coming to visit us tonight. I know the beginning of every single year is always one of the toughest times for any school to kind of get their feet running off into the air, just like ourselves and our school. We're, we're trying next week is our first full week. But um, I wanted to bring some real life feedback uh, into the situation. My son, who wisely chose Dean College as his to, to attend, he's got good parents. He's but he had he actually started last week with his first week back at Dean College and he had, they had some fun social events last week as well as starting classes yesterday and today. And A, I haven't seen him in in over a week. And B when I have seen him, every single time I've seen him he's had a big smile on his face. He actually brought a group of new freshman students down to tour the, the town in, and they're like, oh, we gotta go by Simon's house and check it out, which we are in the street, but um, just a lot of joy and just a lot of happiness and just so many cool things going on. And I, I love getting it from an inside perspective like that. And, and, and I know Dean's going to continue to be a great steward to the community as well as to your students. I and mean, I look forward, I just truly look forward to this ongoing positive relationship. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Hamlet. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, through the chair. President Elmore, thank you so much for being here. I think um, I'd like to echo what Councilor Cormier-Ledger said. We, we could really feel the energy and the warmth in you and the people um, and at Dean. Um, I just have one more thing to add to everything that's already been said. First, thank you for um, the economic impact that Dean brings to Franklin. 
I think people need to remember that that um, that you do have a large impact on our economic development, and thank you for that. Also, um, instead of welcome back, Franklin, I think maybe the flag could say welcome in, Franklin. Ah, mm -hmm. I like it. <laughs> but um, that that's just my suggestion, um, and that's what it feels like. That's what you say to us now, and I I love that. So thank you, love thank it. you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Hi, President. Thank you. Um, I'm going to reiterate what they said because your predecessor I did not have a good relationship with. And I think a lot of people in this town didn't have a good relationship with her. And unfortunately, because of that, I was taught that you guys were guests in this town and not even have anything to do with you. So that's how bad that was. So I'm really excited because I've talked to you more these last few times I've met you, and I'm all about vibes, and you give a great vibe. So I, I personally have a lot of work to do to heal with the school maybe a little bit, and I think you can help me with that if I have a problem. And um, so there's not much else I would say except I think the sports thing is a, is a good idea too, and hopefully I can, uh, this Saturday night? Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you for the update. And I, and I would say too, um, if I may, Chair. Sure. Um, I hope that what we can do is expand that out, not just with football, but uh, how wonderful would it be if each one of our teams, particularly our outdoor teams, can have at least one game there? Uh, it would be kind of wonderful. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Look forward to meeting. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Plagley. Through the chair. Thank you, sir, for coming in this evening, telling us about your thoughts and all for the college. Um, I've lived here all my life, so I have certainly seen the college grow, change, and become a remarkable place, a remarkable place. Um, I do have to say something on the opposite of my fellow counselor here, that um, Paula Rooney and I were very good friends, and I worked on some different projects with her and she was always very gracious and, and gave to the town. She was always a yes person if I was in need of anything. So uh, for that, and I'm sure you will be too. I'm sure you will. Let's carry on. I look forward to working with you on different projects, okay? Thank you. Thank you again for coming this evening. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Plagary. Councilor DeLorco. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks for coming. Uh, I appreciate it. I can. I have to kind of agree with Councilor Chandler because I didn't have a good rapport with the the past president. But you seem that you you seem that you have open arms, which is what exactly what I think Dean needs. So, but I'm, I'm in the same boat as Brian, so I need to uh, have you heal with the uh, college <laughs> and get back. But I think uh, having you here is, is tremendous. Well, thanks. We'll figure it out. I hope. Any other counselors? President Elmore, the only thing uh, I'll conclude with just echoing everything that my fellow counselors have said. And I think really what I've noticed is a complete difference in it was almost like to a degree there was a mode around Dean, mm. and uh, you really didn't want to go over the moat, and they really didn't want to come over the moat. And I think what you've done in the last couple of three years that you've been here is 
I think I, I fear, feel a welcoming of the college to the community. And the different collaborations that you have started already with the businesses in the community, as well as uh, the municipality itself. Uh, I know we, we just met the other day, and uh, we're continuing to talk about different collaborations that uh, will work for not only the college, but work for the community as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like Councillor Hamblin's uh, comment on the, on the flag, welcome in Franklin. Uh, I, th I think that's a, uh, a great message uh, for the community to hear mm -hmm. and see. And I just look forward to bigger and better things and I'll see you Saturday night. All right, very good. Same here. You like, you like football, don't you? Something about, something about football. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, <clears throat> moving on. The next uh, discussion item, Tri-County Regional Vote School Financing. <laughs> Jamie. All right, now the, hopefully the meeting stays on that high for a while. <laughs> so, um, in the good news, first and foremost, if folks don't know, um, the Mass School Building Authority um, this past week did formally approve um, the Tri-County Regional Vocational School, uh, which is, as you know more than anyone, Mr. Chairman, I'm just sorry to look right at you because you know, it's part of your brand, but that's a huge deal. Um, I cannot... I cannot emphasize enough um, the impact Superintendent Karen McGuire has had in such a short time. I mean, she has been here two years, as I'm sure many of you can appreciate, and you can, Mr. Chairman, to be able to take a project from nothing to get MSBA approval in two years. I mean, I would question whether that's a Guinness Book of World Record. I mean, that is really, really impressive, uh, and she deserves a tremendous amount of uh, credibility for that. Uh, she's done a phenomenal job. As she frequently tells me and others, the school is literally falling apart. It was an old cement-built building back in the 60s, 70s. Um, you can go in there, see the chunks falling away. The school is desperately needed. Um, but with that um, comes a price tag. Um, and so the, the price for the school approved by the state is about $286 million uh, or so. I think it might be a little smidge lower than that, but it's about $286 million and roughly just about 90 million, the state is gonna pay for about 90 million of that, okay? So really the local district is looking at an obligation of about 200 million, um, give or take. Um, and as I pointed out at the August 2nd Joint Budget Subcommittee meeting, it's in the budget model, and I'll send that to you later, Sharon, so you can get up to speed. Um, you know, I point out that, that any, any debt on that borrowing is gonna take place in FY27. Okay, so you're really a only a few fiscal years away. Um, we believe, and we've talked to a variety of folks in the community about this. Um, there's going to be a vote. Um, Tri-County, I think, has told the town clerks in that area. Um, I think there's a meeting maybe next week on, on September 13th to coordinate the ballot drive. The next formal step is for the district communities to authorize the project. Okay? That is a district-wide vote. It is 50% of the aggregate votes plus one. It, you know, we went through this before, but just to reiterate for the public, if you know one town votes it down and the aggregate votes in the affirmative, the project moves forward. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, 
all of the communities in the district are then obligated to pay for the project. Each individual community can pay for the project how they, how they so desire within their own community. Um, I've been at a couple meetings recently with the town managers in the area. You know, if you're Sherburn and you send only a handful of kids most, it probably is just going to be a part of a budgetary issue at budget, at budget time to just pay for those three, five, six kids on average or ten, whatever it is. They can probably afford that within their budget. Uh, but Walpole, <coughs> North Alboro, Medway, Franklin, I mean obviously the larger communities, Plainville, the communities that make up a high bulk of the student uh, population that go up there um, have a lot of challenging decisions uh, on how to do this. Um, I can't say every community has figured out yet how it's going to happen. That's the point of the discussion. Um, and the second part of the point of the discussion is really, um, you know, when does Franklin want to want to take this obligation off its shoulders? And as I pointed out at the August second uh, joint budget subcommittee meeting, the real truth of the matter is, is there is no money to pay. Okay, there's no stabilization fund, there's no savings account over here. Um, you may be able to, to use all of your savings for a one-year payment. The one-year payment is estimated to be 2.1 million a year over 30 years at a four and a quarter percent interest rate, which is still pretty good given the circumstances today. Um, but as I articulated at the August 2nd meeting, in at least sitting here today, if the community, um, you know, we have an opportunity with the vote in October, um, there's a little bit of momentum going uh, with the MSBA, with the state approval. Um, there's a lot of folks that think that the council should contemplate and, and, and uh, put a ballot question for a debt exclusion on this coming November. Um, you have 35 days, it's, this is all in the memo, but 35 days um, at a local election to put a debt exclusion on. So that's really about August, October 3rd or 4th. Um, your last meeting before that date is September 20th. So essentially, if the council chose to put the debt exclusion on this ballot, um, you would have to make that final decision and put that ballot question on um, on September 20th. Um, and just to be clear, the ballot question is not really a, a hard lift. Um, pretty much a boilerplate question that's put out by the state. Our bond council and attorneys are familiar with this. That's not a, that's not a huge effort. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, if the town does not do some sort of <clears throat> raising of revenue in some fashion in 2027 in that budget, you will see either the entire amount of tax levy will go towards this project systemically over 30 years, okay? Or you will end up making cuts to, quite frankly, the school, the Franklin Public School District, as well as the town of Franklin. It's just, you can't, no one, we're gonna do it. No one side can really eat the whole amount. So we have to reduce services by about two million, or some combination of thereof. Um, I think we've all talked about cost drivers um, at, the, at the budget subcommittee, um, you know, it's not popular. We've heard comments from other folks at meetings about the rising costs in town. Um, this is a school bill. Um, this is one that's a little more unique than the average uh, stuff that we spend on here and there everywhere, like we have the EDC tonight about snow removal, right? 
Um, this is a 30-year commitment. <clears throat> you can't just pay off one or two years and then figure it out down the road. There has to be some concerted strategy. So um, just to let folks know, and I'll end on this, Mr. Chairman, there's a link in here with all the information to Tri-County, you can Google it, Tri-County Building Project. Uh, the estimated, this is Tri-County numbers, for a house in Franklin that is valued at $500,000. Um, the borrowing would approximately be $144 per household over 30 years. A year. A year. A year. Right. So you're looking at an increase in taxes of 150, round up, $150 a year for 30 years. And as we've been educated in the community recently, that tax actually sunsets 30 years down the road. I know most of us say, well, <laughs> I get it. But 30 years ago, 30 years ago, People said the same thing and laughed when we did all the other building projects on town. And all of you just saw at the Joint Budget Subcommittee meeting and in the budget presentation, those taxes actually did sunset because now those projects after 20 years have come off the tax rolls. It doesn't feel like you've got a tax <laughs> right? But you actually would have had more of a tax increase if it wasn't for those taxes coming off. So just to be clear, the town of Franklin traditionally does 20-year borrowing. Most school districts and other municipalities do not, they do 30. So the fact that Tri-County has chosen 30 years is commensurate with most projects of this magnitude. Mr. Chairman, you know these things better than anybody, but you know the history. Franklin has traditionally done 20-year projects, at least as of when Jeff was here, and certainly when I've been here for the last 22 years. So, um, open for discussion. Folks can ask questions, however folks want to answer. Jamie, just to clarify so that everybody's on uh, understands and are on the same page the October 18th 24 24th vote is to approve the building of the school that's right not to approve the financing that's right the financing is a separate piece so there's two pieces that we have to uh, vote on uh, as residents uh, and one of them as counselors the other question that I think uh, people watching might ask, Jamie, is okay if we put a if we put a debt exclusion question on the ballot for no, November third, sixth, whatever days that is, if we put a question on that ballot, we have to do it by September twentieth. October twenty fourth comes, the vote doesn't pass. How do we, what happens to the ballot question that's already on the ballot in print? Mark, yeah. you vote on it. As a matter of fact, ironically. That's why I wanted, yeah. that's why I wanted yeah. to clarify. There's no particular order on uh, Prop 2 and a half votes. So you could put that in place and they could bring, hypothetically, bring the school back and you'd already have that in place. Right. Which is in earnest, as you know, Mr. Chairman, that's why I asked We're either going to watch the school crumble yeah. or the school's going to pass. And whether it passes, I think it will pass in October, but even down the road to Mark's point, if they bring it back in the spring or winter, at least we're already prepared. Mm -hmm. I do. I just, uh, I, yeah. I totally understand it. I knew the answer to my question, but I wanted everybody to make sure everybody else understood how that works. And then we can, in fact, still vote a debt exclusion 
and it just sits out there. Right. Hmm. Council call me a legend. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Jamie, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I'm hoping you do. When several months ago, when we had the presentation by the Tri-County folks, they talked about that the the total amount for the project is not divvied up evenly to the all the district communities. It's based on an enrollment equation, right? So current enrollment equation. So Franklin has a larger number, Sherburn, like you said, is a smaller number, so their piece of the pie is different than our piece of the pie. Going forward, when the building is finished, is that the equation that carries forward, or does every town get a certain number of kids that they can enroll, regardless of the piece of the pie they paid? Because that's, that's the part that's confusing to me. I think it's confusing to others as well. Through you, Mr. Chairman. So to try to make this as easy as possible, folks have to realize one thing. The, the, the contributing communities and how, the quantity of students that go there, if you look at a long-term 20-year trajectory, it really has not changed very much, okay? Yes, 10, 15, 20 kids up or down, but in, if you really look at it, those five towns that I mentioned a moment ago have made up the bulk of Tri-County Vocational School for decades. In other words, what I want to point out to the public is there is no big shift someday likely coming in the foreseeable future, at least in my lifetime, where we're going to see Sherburn or Millis or something all of a sudden have triple or quadruple the amount of students go. It's just highly unlikely. And the reason why I point that out, it's important for everybody to just understand that this is a fluid situation. And basically, the model and the number that I pointed out right there is based on data today. But the bond won't hit for three more, right. four more fiscal years. So eventually, the average household in Franklin probably won't be $500,000 five years from now. And so those assessments each year move with the project to accommodate any population differences that may happen. I just don't want people thinking that in FY27 it's 2.1 million, and if fewer kids go to Tri-County, we can save on our tax bill, and then down the line we'll be paying less. That could arrive, highly unlikely. Okay? So folks just have to think, you're on the hook for approximately 2.1 million over the course of 30 years, knowing that by the time, we could also have, as Councilor Chandler pointed out, and we'll go into it at the Budget Subcommittee, you know, 100 years ago there was a Great Depression. You know, I mean, we don't know what the world economy is gonna look like, nobody wants to see that. The property values theoretically could go down. Again, highly unlikely. So for messaging to taxpayers and understanding this, it's important to use the numbers provided by the school business administrator at Tri-County because those are the most sound, realistic numbers within the question that we're asking. I hope that answers some of the question that was there. Yeah, I, I actually think we're gonna see probably an increase in enrollment to the when the new facility is built. I, I, I would I would imagine I agree. with a gigantic, beautiful state of the art three hundred million dollar facility that parents in Franklin may very well start talking to their kids and say that's a viable alternative <coughs> instead of the crumbling down building. Now I, I just think that that conversation will happen and I think we just should be prepared that whatever our number of kids that we can send, 
that number, we may need it, or we may need to revisit it at some point. That was really my question. Like, are, do we get capped at a certain number of kids as a town, or that, like, how does that process work? So through you, Mr. Chairman, so there is no cap. Right now, they do not have a waiting list. Okay, just rumors are always out there, you know, oh my God, it's 400 kids. There is no waiting list. Um, and, um, and so, the other piece I wanted to point out is the MSBA project, right now the capacity of the school is 1,000 students. The building project was approved for 1,000 students. Okay, so I know that seems odd, um, but that's, you can explain this better than I can, uh, but that's just the way the MSBA works, and ultimately, usually over a course of time, they end up being correct most of the time, which is also painful. Um, you know, they actually know what they're doing. They're very good at it, um, and so um, and so. I, I don't know if that shift is going to be great. I agree with you, Councilor Cormier-Ledger. There's no question. If you build it, they will come. But Walpole students are going to feel the same way. Plainville students are going to feel the same way. Parents in North Attleboro are going to feel the same way. Parents in Millis may feel the same way. I'm guessing down the road, this is not our decision to make, but my educated guess tells me is Superintendent McGuire and the Tri-County School Committee will eventually have a waiting list. And they are gonna have to work through their own school committee to figure out exactly how they're gonna deal with that waiting list and how those students get chosen. Uh, but there's nothing that we can do to restrict the, the cap of students. Um, I don't think nor would we on Franklin parents. We wouldn't wanna draw a cap, but you're right. This is an economic development project as much as it is anything else. If you build it, they will come. I think business will also take note. Manufacturing will take note. Our industrial parks will probably see businesses that are looking for young talent. Um, there may even be some college presidents who may be interested as well. Um, right? So I just think there's a lot that's gonna gravitate. It will be a magnet, but the cost is the cost. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I don't believe that number, as we're sitting here today, I don't think it's going to go up or down significantly to change the budget impact. It'll be minor changes based upon <coughs> past experience. Thank you very much. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. First, thank you for our high school. Honestly. <laughs> What a bargain, man. Oh. Yep. You know, and I, we a lot of us here fought hard for that. We took a lot of abuse, but it worked out. It really did. It did. And so I just want to touch on the debt exclusion. In Franklin, debt exclusions for schools work. So we could get this done. They, they do work. You know, I know we have some override people here. That's another another issue. But um, so for. Brian Chandler sitting at home. This debt exclusion, again, over 30 years, it sounds like it'd be 2.1 million. So that would be 63 million dollars would be our piece. Sounds about right. Okay, and that that would be the 150 a year. Right. And that's what we would end up voting on for a debt exclusion. That's right. That's about uh, 150, uh, 63 million, 63 million, 63 million plus the interest. Because you're right. talking about four, four percent, four point four and a quarter, four and a quarter percent interest. So you have to figure that into it. But that it'll be more, and it, it starts the first couple of years, and then it increases, and then it drops down. So it changes from year to year. Uh, 
the high point uh, probably in the high school fourth, fifth, and sixth year, I think, somewhere in there, was the high point in the high schools. But, you know, it just it really depends on it. But just the, the answer to your question, the total, yeah. the total number, the total principal number that we will be paying will be roughly 63. And through you, Mr. Chairman, I mean, just so for the Brian Chandler sitting at home, they haven't borrowed the money yet. Right. Right. So that interest rate could be higher. Yeah. It could also be lower. But, you know, if I could predict the Fed Reserve, you know, I'd be in the Fed Reserve. So a house of 750000 is going to pay more than the 150. A house valued at 350000 is going to pay less. So it's just proportional. I just used that number because Tri-County used it. Yeah. It's their calculations, which I think is critical to, to work with them on that. And it's about a half a million dollars. So if you're sitting at home, Brian Chandler or anyone else, you know, you can try to say, well, my house is valued at this. Okay, $150, well, I'm gonna pay a little higher, a little lower, depending on, my, depending on the situation. But obviously, as everybody knows, the borrowing won't happen for a while, so you could, you know, it's a, it's a crapshoot, right? You roll the dice and, well, I mean, it is what it is. We're gonna need a school, and I think this is our, the debt exclusion will be our option to keep the services that we want. So that's all, I just wanted to get that rolling now. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Pellegrini. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, the town clerk in me has some questions. Uh, through you, I'd like to go to Nancy. You've already had a conversation, but I'd like things to be out in the open. There are going to be different rules and regulations for this um, election coming up for the tri for the tri county. First of all, your um, well, I think I'll let Nancy tell it, okay? And then I'll come back with it. <coughs> So the 11 district clerks all met. We decided on a date and we decided on a time. We all have to have the election the same day and the same time. So that's October 24th from the hours of 12 to 8 we decided. The state says that we have to do it for five hours. We opted to go for the full eight. Mm -hmm. um, that gives people who are working till five o'clock the chance to come after work. So 12 to 8, we will have vote by mail. I will have vote in person. I'm not doing extended hours because truthfully, I don't think I need it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you want to vote, call me. I'll send you a ballot. You fill out an application. I'll send you the ballot. You want to come into the office, come on in and vote. Um, so everything <coughs> will be processed that day. I will hold the election up at the high school from 12 to 8, and I'm going to have three tabulators. Now, this election is not precinct specific so you don't have to go with your precinct one you don't have to go to your precinct you can go to the three tabulators that i have the three women that i'm going to have there working doesn't matter where you go doesn't matter what tabulator you place your ballot in okay. because it's not precinct specific mm -hmm. beautiful i think um, perhaps we talked early and you had mentioned that no absentee ballots and so that was the talk, correct, correct. came back to have it. And I think that was an excellent decision because how can you... So we call it early now, Deb. Well, early now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's very important that we have those. 
Uh, absolutely. So absolutely. has a chance to vote. 100%. Okay. Yeah. And you can come into the office too. As soon as I have the ballots, I'll let everybody know. Mm -hmm. So it is incumbent um, for Tri-County to notify the residents. It's not incumbent upon us to notify them. Tri-County has to go out and notify everybody. So. Oh, but you will notify them as far as our times and what's the Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'll have DPW put the signs up. Going to do? What, what is Tri-County going to do? Notify the residents of the door-to-door. Through you, Mr. Chairman. The Tri-County is obligated to do that portion of it. What Nancy is saying is we're going to do our, we're going to do general outreach on social media, put out the signboards, we'll have a poster, like whatever, but they actually have to go do all of this and pay for, by the way, pay for all of this work. This is their ballot initiative, right? And that's great, but they have to do all that. I just, I think it's important, what Nancy's trying to point out is there's a, usually we look to her to do all this. We're gonna do our usual outreach, but it's actually their obligation to pay and do it all. So I'm gonna pay up front, and then they're gonna reimburse me. Okay. Good to me. I know you'd have the answers. Have the answer. All these new much. things coming out, you'd have. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Okay. Is that Thank, you. Thank you, Council Pluckley. Council DeLocco. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, <clears throat> Jamie, just, just a quick couple of things. Now, um, if the vote goes and we do a debt exclusion, what happens if the town votes it down? The town votes down the debt exclusion. We'd be back here at a meeting, uh, probably well, pretty, probably in November or December, yeah. to re-strategize about how the town's going to finance this. Um, and when could we put another debt exclusion? Uh, you just need a local ballot. You only need 35 days. 35 I want to be I want to be cautious because I know somebody's going to think this in the audience because it's come up at our manager meetings. There's a presidential primary in March. I think it's March 3rd, 4th, or 5th. Yes. Okay. The, the, this, you have to remember you're under then federal election rules, which means the length of time to put it, the council could put a debt exclusion on a presidential primary or a federal election is between 90 and 120 days. So basically, if they voted it down in November and you wanted to merge it with a vote that's already happening, which some towns are thinking about, right. well then you, if you work back from May, March 5th, I mean, you're almost back into November or December. So these are the things that I just want to bring up just in case it does. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we need it. I think the trades are coming back. People are sending their kids to trades. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's very important. Uh, they can make a good living. Um, so, and I think Councilor Jones will uh, agree with me on that, probably more than I would. But, um, but yeah, no, I just want to get it out there. So people know that it, it, if we if we fail in November, we could come back 35 days later That's with right. another. So uh, just so, just so people know. Thank um, you. Okay. Council no, I'm Council Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Council Cormier, I hope you are right. I hope that if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Mentality comes true because first of all, um, as a person who actually taught at Tri County, I know for a fact that they're not like the, the building is in rough shape. It certainly needs to be, it certainly has to, needs a new building. Um, and to be honest with you, we, we need to be attracting more and more youth mm -hmm. to into the skilled labor fields uh, because um, at the rate, um, for instance, electricians, by way of example, um, for every uh, 10,000, for every, 
for every year, 10,000 electricians are retiring and 7,000 are only filling our shoes. That's a 30% deficit every single year. And what that means, if you want to put it in dollars and cents, is that with the skilled labor pool going down, if you were fewer people, is the price of skilled labor going up. So you wonder why the cost of building the building costs so much. It's not just the cost of materials, it's the cost of labor. You know, we're, it's just it's supply and demand. Um, and hopefully we can we can convince our youth to get into uh, the building trades and start a career either electrical carpentry or any any of the wonderful offerings that Tri County has to offer. But um, one question for you, Mr. Chairman, to the town administrator. <clears throat> I think Franklin <clears throat> is either is second in the as as the like, in the contributing of students to Tri County, a third. That's correct. Second. Yep. So Plainville being, I'm sorry, uh, North Adelaide being no, number sure. one. Now, based on the numbers, um, and I know I've, over the years I've heard that North Attleboro had been trying to make efforts in within their own community to kind of build out a trade portion to their public school systems uh, on top of their investment into their local community. Um, what could this mean, for instance, for North Attleboro? I mean, that's... You, they're going to take on the largest chunk of this, and it's and and, and uh, I'm not doing apples and oranges here, but you know they're not sure what. Neither are neither are we. But how how much of a huge impact they'll have on their community? Through Mr. Chairman, I, I that's North Alabama problem. No, I know that. Part of I know it that is, is they just adopted our for Franklin's form of government. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, which may alter their dynamics a little bit. They've gone through a cleaning house process over there. Um, you know, yeah, and, and just, you know, I, I, I just, and Glenn brings up a, a good point in the sense that, you know, there is a lot of obligation out there. I mean, you're talking, as Brian pointed out, a 200 some odd million dollar school. Everyone's going to end up paying their fair share um, with what their obligation is. Um, and I, I do remiss if I say it, I think every town is going to go through this process. I think for one of the things um, <coughs> the staff were thinking about is from a customer service standpoint, um, just on the record, we did inquire with the legislative delegation some time ago. Um, and Jeff was excellent. Um, and when Senator Spilka represented the town too, we did talk to lawyers to see about whether or not you know, you had to inconvenience people to go out twice to vote, right? And there's some credence to the fact that, like, you have the MSBA, and I know you pop a bottle of champagne after that vote. Yeah, That's a big deal. So you get that under your wings, and then you have an authorizing vote, and then to wait a year or two years or three years and to jeopardize the financing, I don't think that necessarily makes parents feel more comfortable um, that, you know, there's not going to be other priorities that are going to get out of the way. Um, part of this is also from a, a citizen perspective of, you know, if you're a parent or an interested parent in sending a kid there, like, this is a big deal for you. Um, it must feel comforting to know you could get all that out of the way within a couple months. Um, so, thank you. And just from a historical perspective for the, the council's... Um, Re recording in progress. It, statistically speaking, debt exclusions tend to pass mm -hmm. I mean, within the town of Franklin. Um, Mr. Chairman, I, I, would, I would be quick to say that it would be wise for us to put forth a debt exclusion as soon as we could. 
just to try to just to try to get the ball rolling and maybe see us in the hole um, over the years, let alone next year. Um, so my, my opinion is to move forth with the debt exclusion, try to get this ball rolling as quickly as possible. Thank, thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Hamblin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, through the chair. Thank you, Jamie, for answering that question about the two votes. I was going to ask you that. Um, I agree that we need it for the community, for the larger community, for the for the country even to build our trades. Um, and I think we should just we should put the debt exclusion on the November seventh ballot. That's how I would vote for that. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Yeah, uh, Councilor Sharon. Actually, for you, quick question, uh, Jamie. Say, uh, as every town can support this, town officials or and not having the votes the 24. I know. Each town yeah. votes that. I'm just thinking what you're trying to gauge is like, I think most of the communities have been overwhelmingly supportive. <laughs> I think, you know, there are some individual elected officials in different towns that are obviously. I just looked it up for one sake. Um, North Attleboro has a population of 238 students there. Their, their uh, assessment would be $3 million. So I think different local officials, maybe in different communities, may are concerned about the financing. But I, I haven't heard any major objection from any community about the actual need for the project. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I'm just curious. North Attleboro can say we're just going to give that to North Attleboro High. You said, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. Well, I'm sorry. You know, that I've decided to pull off and just give that money to the local high school. They don't have a choice. No, they, they don't, don't have a choice. choice. Yeah. yeah. Mark. Yeah. Okay. So, so once once the project passes, all the constituent communities oh, yeah. that. are assessed. They don't have a choice about it. The only choice is how you pay your assessment. But they have a choice before if they really want to back it or not. Well, if oh, they have to pull out of the district. Yeah. Right, but right. that that's what he means. Yeah. Oh, to pull out of the district yeah. out of Tri County. Yeah. It's probably too late at this point. I, that's that's really hard. Yeah. That's just really hard. <laughs> I mean you've got to go back to the governing district in agreement and have a majority of towns, I believe, would have to ask for succession from the district. Mm -hmm. um, and how would those North Attleboro parents feel? I can't imagine that that would be a conversation point. Uh, especially to reroute it to the local district. They could certainly have a longer term conversation when the building project comes on about if they want to join another vocational school district. Um, but they cannot just say no and then route the money to the local high school. Thank you, Councilor Sheridan. Councilor Frangillo? <laughs> no questions. I, I, I think it's needed, and I, I think we should put a debt exclusion on the ballot. Thank you. Okay, uh, I think what we what we should do is give a consensus to have a resolution written up for our our second meeting in September, so that we uh, vote it through. Because it would be a resolution, correct? That's correct. So I'll just go around consensus to put it on for November seventh. Yes. Let the people vote. Yeah. Yes. 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 I think we November seventh. Okay. <clears throat> Moving on. Legislation for action. 
Uh, first item, zoning bylaw amendment 23-898, a zoning bylaw to amend the Franklin Town Code and chapter 185 attachment nine, schedule of lot area frontage, yard and height requirements. This is the second reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Zoning Bylaw Amendment 23-898, a zoning bylaw to amend the Franklin Town, uh, Town Code at Chapter 185, Attachment 9, Schedule of Lot Area Frontage, Yard, and Height Requirements. Be enacted by the Franklin Town Council that Chapter 185, the Code of Town of Franklin, say by amended by the following additions and or deletions to Subsection 185, Attachment 9, Schedule of Lot Area Frontage, Yard, and Height Requirements. So under uh, 185 attachment nine, schedule lot area frontage yards, uh, yard and height requirements. Uh, we have under general residential five, we have a change to the maximum previous coverage uh, for existing upland from 30 to 45 on structures and from 35 to 55 for structures plus on paving. And also under the notes, we have under note seven, permitted residential uses must observe requirements for general residential five districts for residential use building only, multifamily residential with three housing units and mixed use, and build, mixed use buildings are exempt from this requirement. Move. The foregoing zoning bylaw amendment shall take effect in accordance with the uh, Franklin Home Rule Charter in the Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 48, Section 5. Move zoning bylaw amendment 23-898. Second. Motion is second. Discussion, Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is the uh, final required vote on this bylaw that has made its way through um, the process. Um, uh, this deals with um, some of the frontage, yard, and height requirements in GR5. Um, this was the one, I think, um, at the last meeting, I think Council Chandler pointed out, the planning board had wanted to go back to the staff recommendation. The council stead, stayed unanimously with the EDC recommendation. Um, and so Brian's here tonight. If anybody has any questions, I know Council Chandler will probably speak to it. Thank you, well. Jeremy. Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none. The vote will come on the motion to approve bylaw amendment 23-898, a two-thirds majority roll call votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Come Electric. Yes. Sheridan. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Angelo. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Jones, yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. Nine zero zero. Motion carries. Zoning bylaw amendment 23-899, Marijuana Use Overlay District, a zoning bylaw amendment to the code of the town of Franklin at chapter 185, section five, zoning map. This is a second reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Motion Chairman. to waive the reading. Second. Motion to second to waive the reading. Uh, roll call vote to waive the reading. Clerk to call the roll. That's okay. I don't know. What? It's true. Charity. Yes. Yes. Angelo. 
Yes. Jim. Yes. Family. Yes. Flagler. Yes. Jobs. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. To wave the read. Motion carries to wave the read. Move zoning bylaw amendment 23-899. Second. Motion in the second. Discussion. Jamie. Mr. Chairman. Um, again, second reading, final reading tonight of a bylaw that the Planning Board, EDC, and Council all agreed on, um, which is just some tweaks in house cleaning to the marijuana overlay district. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the Council? Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just wanted to thank Brian and the um, whole planning department for all the work they did on this. I mean, you know, we do these little tweaks here and there, and. They look pretty simple, but they're not. So I wanted to thank him and, and everyone that works there. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamblin. Any other questions or comments? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve <coughs> bylaw amendment 23-899. Again, a two-thirds majority roll call votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Hamblin. Yes. Gregory. Yes. Angelo. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Chair. Yes. Tommy Ledger. Yes. Jones. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. yes. Motion carries. Zoning bylaw amendment 23-901. A zoning bylaw amendment to the code of the town of Franklin at chapter 185, section 5, zoning map reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is um, Zoning Bylaw Amendment 23-901. Zoning map changes from single-family residential tree to business in the area on or near King Street. Zoning Bylaw Amendment to the Code of Town of Franklin, Chapter 18565 Zoning Map. Be enacted by the Franklin Town Council of the Code of Town of Franklin, saved by amended by adding the following amendments in subsection 25-5. Zoning map, that zoning map of the Town of Franklin be amended by changing from single-family residential tree to business in the area 1.32 plus or minus acres, uh, comprising the following parcels of land as shown in Town of Franklin's assessor's map. Parcel numbers 313-061-000 and 313-062-000. The area to be rezoned is shown on the attached maps, proposed zoning map changes in the area on or near King Street. The foregoing zoning bylaw amendment shall take effect in accordance with the Franklin Home Charter in the Massachusetts General Law Chapter 48, Section 5. Move zoning bylaw amendment 23-901. Motion, motion in the second. Discussion, Jamie. Through the chairman to the council, this is a referral to the planning board, it just said this was voted unanimously by the EDC to move it along in the process. The zoning change takes place on King Street, right next to the fire station, in between Atria. If folks look up at the map here, you'll see on the left side the current zoning. Right around there in that circle, there's two parcels of land. This one right here is owned by Tommy Nasut. Yeah. Okay. The other one's been vacant, it's been owned by Cumberland Farm. For years. For years, but they've never developed it. And so what we're looking at is doing, a proponent has come forward to secu has secured both properties for sale to, to purchase. And they came forward and asked, would it be possible to zone this to business zone? Now, we looked at it as a staff, 
I don't know why we actually didn't catch this before, but in conversations about tax levy, revenue, all the other stuff that the EDC has been talking about, this fits with that mission. Yeah. Uh, Councilman Hammond almost referenced it as a house cleaning item. This parcel right here is zoned residential. I and owned by Cumberland Farms and presumably bought out by another, another business entity, no one's building a house there. <laughs> and the likelihood of someone wanting a house right next to the fire station, across the street from 495's entrance, next to, on this side, Atria Assisted Living Complex, which the fire department has to go out here onto King Street down the road, try to see if we can get a cut through. And then this parcel right here is EMC Dell. It's zoned industrial commercial in the Constitution Boulevard Park. So the idea that a house will be, one home will be built there, and that will be highly desirable, or even get through a planning board, is highly unlikely. The highest and best use of these parcels is business. You know, whether it's a convenience store, or whether it's a small strip mall with retail, whatever it is to service folks coming down King and getting on to 495, is in all likelihood the best use of those parcels. So the EDC, Council Hamlin can speak to it, or any of the other members thought this was advantageous for the town and figured at a minimum, bring it through the council, have the planning board have a public hearing. That's when the abutters will be notified at the public hearing at the planning board level and will be able to at least engage, or at least gauge public sentiment on that zoning change. But I don't think I, I, I'm over speaking. From a valuation perspective, this, these two parcels are more valuable as business zone than single family residential. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Questions or comments from the council? Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, through the chair. I think um, Town Administrator Helen pretty much explained everything, but definitely think it makes that property worth more money for the people who own it now um, and for the town later. And um, I want to thank Brian and the staff for bringing this forward. It um, kind of shows how much the staff is always looking to help us with our bottom line, right? We want to build our bottom, our new growth, so we don't have to, so we can afford all the things we love here in the town. And um, they're doing a great job. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamilton. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just, just a uh, point of clarification for the public and the council as a whole. This is actually. Um, something we did years ago in regards to stop and shop where we had the parcel across the street that was residential we just basically extended the business zone across the street this isn't just for clarif just for clarification mm -hmm. this is not really it's not spot zoning so a lot of people over the years people like to come back and say spot zone spot zone spot zone we're not this is simply an extension of an existing zone which is really across the street probably one of the wisest things that we've done on the EDC. thank you mr chairman thank you councilor jones councilor delarco I kind of do think it's spot zoning because what about the houses going down towards Bar Street? Are we going to change them to it's on the other side? No, what is it? To, to, yeah, city well, and property yeah, and all that. But we have the commercial. We have uh, atrium right there between. This is between the fire station. Oh, I think this yeah. is a good move. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but are, are these people going to come back and go towards? Yes, so the term spot zone is thrown around a lot. It's unlikely in, in practical cases, there's virtually, there's very, very few cases where a court has determined a spot zone. And that's because the standard is very high. 
It has to be that it's solely for the benefit of the property owner and no public benefit. So That's the standard. I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think it's a great move, but I'm just saying, are they going to come from Forest Street all the way up? That's what I'm, I mean, are they going to, and then we're just going to keep going. I mean, that, I mean that's, that, that could be fine too, but I'm just saying, um, are they going to come and say that, no, you, you, you did this, why can't you do that? Who's they? The, the well, people from, the from Forest Street is the homeowner. I mean, I don't think anybody can predict the future, so, yeah. you know, uh, it's hard to say, but if something were to come before, uh, it would go to EDC and come back with a No, this is, this is a great move, but yeah. I'm just saying, I, yeah, no. I think it's going to cause trouble. That's all. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. i just like to clarify that this is just to go to the, the planning board? No, so I get that there is, a, there is that public input, right? So that, like, we think this is a great idea. Let's hear what the public that lives near there. Then it comes Thank back you. to us twice. Right. So we're hearing two. Public hearing two. Here too, as well. But, um, you know, it's like, well, maybe those people want their, that's what I'm saying. they want their places zoned for the business. And that's know. fine too. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Ms. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just a quick question. Uh, the, the lots currently, uh, Thinking. No, good. One is. What, what are they coming? Through the chair, please. I'm sorry, through you, Mr. Chair. What, what, what are the lots being used the for? Small, the small lot that Jamie's pointing to is there's a house on it, people living in the house. The lot next to it, there's nothing on it. Just tall grass, weeds, and some trees. Okay, and, and um, through you, Mr. Chairman, to, to the town administrator, is there an environmental impact to making this change? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Great questions. Um, you actually highlighted a point I was gonna point out. We don't know um, because what you're doing right here is just altering the zoning. This does not, any, any owner of those parcels is gonna still have to go through a full planning board review for any project they want. Those environmental concerns on that site would be brought out with an environmental assessment as requested by the Planning Board or CBA or Conservation Commission. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Council Council. Any other questions or comments? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to refer Zoning Bylaw Amendment 23-901 to the Planning Board. A majority vote's required, and it's a roll call. I know that. The roll call vote, clerk will call the vote. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Chairman. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Rizzillo. Yes. Hamlet. Yes. Tommy Ledger. Yes. Flagrant. Yes. Jones, yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. And zero, sir. Affirm. Motion carries. Okay, resolution 23-49, authorization for intermunicipal agreement with County of Plymouth for County of Plymouth to provide parking ticket, computerization, and processing services to Franklin. 
clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Chairman. This is resolution 23-49. <clears throat> Authorization for intermunicipal agreement with the County of Plymouth, the County of Plymouth to provide parking ticket computerization and processing services to Franklin. Whereas Franklin is in need of parking ticket computerization and processing services. And whereas the County of Plymouth, here in Athens, known as County, is willing to provide said services to Franklin in consideration for Franklin's payment of compensation to County. And whereas a proposed arrangement, which would be the subject of written intermunicipal agreement between Franklin and County and a draft uh, copy, which is attached to two as exhibit one, would benefit both uh, governmental entities and whereas an intermunicipal agreement is governed by provisional provisions of General Law Chapter 40, Section 4A, which requires that each governmental entity authorizes the agreement. Now, therefore, be resolved at the Town Council, the Town of Franklin, is hereby authorizes the Town Administrator pursuant to General Law Chapter 40, Section 4A, to negotiate and execute an intermunicipal agreement with the County of Plymouth in, in substantially the form attached here to as Exhibit 1, which agreement will provide for County to provide parking ticket computerization and processing services to the Town of Franklin and receive compensation therefore, provided that said agreement may contain revisions to its extensions in such other terms and conditions as the town administrator determines to be in the town's best interest. This resolution shall become effective according to the provisions of the town of Franklin Home Charter. Move resolution 23-49. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Jamie. Uh, through Mr. Chairman, like, like Batman, they just showed up out of nowhere. Uh, the Chief of Police and Lieutenant Riley, I'd ask them to come up. Um, Lieutenant Riley did all the research on this, so we'll give him a little FaceTime and give the town administrator a break. Sounds like a plan to me. You can see that bus coming. <laughs> <laughs> Usually a little bit better. Good evening, everyone, through the chair. Uh, Lieutenant Riley from the Franklin Police Department. Essentially, this program, um, it, it's a program that will allow us to write tickets a little bit easier using the equipments that we already have in the cruises the MDTs, the mobile laptop computers, with the printers, and I think it's a significant savings in what we use uh, through the old uh, Kelly and Ryan, I believe is the name of it. So it's more of a streamlining process. I know this, it's probably weird that we're going out of our own county, but other, other Norfolk County entities and other, other Massachusetts counties are using Plymouth County, and it seems to be a step in the right direction to, to make this uh, a little bit more transparent and easier to, to handle when we rent tickets. With the new kiosks and the new parking changes that we all put a lot of work into downtown, I think this is a logical step in the right direction. And it doesn't require any new hardware or software or anything? It doesn't. As a matter of fact, it saves us a little bit. I like savings. I was just going to say, that's a great word. Awesome. Uh, I, I have savings, transparency, and it's easier for everyone. Those are the three things I was just saying. I like those bullet points. <laughs> Uh, any questions or comments? Uh, Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. To Lieutenant Riley, can you just, for the benefit of everybody watching at home, is this a service that the county we're in provides, but it's too expensive, so we're looking to another county, or is it only offered by the county of Plymouth? It is actually not a service that Norfolk County offers. Um, okay. We use uh, Kelly and Ryan, which offers the service. I'm sure there are similar companies out there that offer the same thing. But this county uh, took the initiative uh, to start their own program, and people are starting to notice it across Massachusetts, and they're starting to get on board because of what they can do. Their contacts with the registry, their ability to pay bills both in person and online. Um, it's just a streamlined, more efficient process. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Councilor Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> 
A uh, couple easy ones, uh, Lieutenant Riley. First, um, it says the county will accept walk-in payments down there in Plymouth, but can we pay at our town hall? Yes, I believe we can. Uh, we've worked it out with Terry that you will be able to go in and she will be able to take it. Excellent. Okay, so people are not going to have to drive right. to Plymouth. And I understand there'll be a sense of confusion when it says Plymouth County, so we're going to take it. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a learning curve like everything else. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if you'll know this one, but it says the county Plymouth may charge a convenience fee and retain such a fee. So what are we? What are they paying to pay by credit card to these people? I don't exactly know what their, their fee may yeah, be, I but you I would assume it would be similar to what Kelly and Ryan would pay. Okay, so. Through Mr. Chairman, if, yeah. if it was 50 cents for Kelly and Ryan, I believe the ratio is like 35 cents for this. So that's where Lieutenant Riley had mentioned there'd be savings involved. Oh, okay. Is on the Is on the transaction. Okay, and lastly, you're off the hook on this one. Three, Mr. Chairman. Sure. Um, now, when someone wants to fight this ticket, who do they see again at our town hall? The treasurer collector, Carrie Bertoni, and the backup when Carrie is not available is the assistant treasurer collector, Marina Malibu. So okay. anyone that goes for a park to fight a ticket yep. has to go to the treasurer collector's office. That was a decision Mr. Nothing made with Mr. Dacey 15 <laughs> years ago, and Jim was the parking clerk. There's actually a formal like certificate you have to get from the Commonwealth, so you can't just move it around every year to somebody else. Kerry okay. and Marina both, because they're the treasurer collectors, they do that, um, the parking clerk job for the contract. Okay, so if they um, throw out a ticket, they'll respond to Plymouth County and there'll be no... Right mess ups right that's right yep <laughs> all right thank you lieutenant riley thank you mr chairman thank you councilor chandler any other questions or comments to lieutenant riley just good job yeah great job when councilor delarco gets his ticket you can go to the treasurer yeah <laughs> she, was, she was my team mom so i got it. <laughs> thank you for it i got thank to you. catch a bus thank you <laughs> Okay, seeing no further questions, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-49. Again, a majority roll call votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Amblett. Yes. Frangillo. Yes. Sheridan. Yes. Legree. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Cormier Ledger. Yes. Jones, yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. 9-0, sir. Motion carries. Resolution 23-50, acceptance of private road covenant with owner-developer of Prospect Hills Estates with access road off Prospect Street. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I think Councilor Hamlet found out it's not as easy to read these things as you might think. <laughs> Acceptance of private road covenant for owner developer of Prospect Hills Estates, a residential subdivision located at Bellingham with access road off Prospect Street. Franklin. Whereas a Franklin Plan Board on March 14, 2023, voted to approve with conditions a definitive subdivision plan for residential subdivision known as Prospect Hills Estates, which subdivision plan shows a residential subdivision located wholly in Bellingham but accessed by a roadway off of Prospect Street in Franklin, in which plan is to be recorded in Norfolk County Registry of Deeds, and whereas said vote, including conditions that 
The unnamed roadway shown on above described subdivision plan is parcel E, together with related drainage and utilities, be and remain private, and that the private property owners have the exclusive obligation to maintain and repair the same as well as remove snow therefrom. And whereas Wall Street Development Corp is the owner of the subject property and uh, executed a covenant incorporating the foregoing conditions, a true copy of which is attached as Exhibit 1. Now, therefore, be in order that the Town of Franklin, acting by and through its Town Council, hereby authorizes the Town Administrator to execute the covenant, a copy of which is attached to 2 as Exhibit 1, on behalf of the Town of Franklin. This resolution shall become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Room Charter. Move resolution 23-50. Second. Motion and second. Discussion, Jamie. There is Chairman, I'm going to dish the rock over to Mr. Sorrell. Attorney Sorrell. So we've commonly uh, had these private road covenants. Uh, this is a little bit of a twist here because it's not one or two lots, which typically is what we have. It's a, it's a large subdivision, but it's located in Bellingham. Uh, the planning board originally assumed jurisdiction, as I indicated in my memo to you, and denied it. And uh, just based on the roadway, and the developer appealed to the land court. And while the case was pending, we worked out an agreement that addressed the planning board's concerns and basically allows for the access road to be built with the oversight of the town engineer for safety issues. And then going forward, this prior road covenant would ensure that the town wouldn't be responsible for the road. Thank you. Questions or comments from the council? Council Chairman, I'm sorry, when I read this, I thought that they had won in land court. They never went to land court? The complaint was filed. And when you file something in the land court, there's a, a case management conference early on. So at that time, I happened to know the attorney for the developer anyway. We had had conversations. And by the time we got to the conference with the judge, we actually worked out of this the framework for resolution, the judge, the judge agreed to it. Okay, and the planning board was fine with this. It had to come back to the planning board. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <coughs> thank, thank you, Councilor Chandler. Any other questions or comments? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-50. Again, a majority roll call votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Call me out. Yes. Started. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Angelo. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Jones. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. The chair. Yes. Nine zero, sir. Motion carries. <coughs> Resolution 23-51. Oh, I, I keep missing. You get from Jill, right? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I heard. Just want to make sure. 23-51. Gift Acceptance Veterans Services <coughs> Department. Fifteen hundred and twenty-five dollars. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm very happy to read this resolution. Resolution 23-51, acceptance of gifts. Veteran Services Department, whereas the Veteran Service Department has received generous donations in the total of $1,525 to be used at the discretion of the department as follows. Donation summary, Veteran Services Department, $1,525 for one municipal assistance fund donations to be used at the discretion of the Veterans Services Department through the Municipal Assistance Fund for support of local veterans and their families. 
the list of all donors is included in uh, the 916-2023 Town Council meeting agenda packet. It now therefore be resolved that the Town Council, Town of Franklin, on behalf of the Veteran Services Department, gratefully accepts these generous donations to be used at the discretion of the department and for the purposes noted above. This resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Rule Charter. Move resolution 23-51. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Jamie. Thank you for everybody's generous donation. <coughs> Absolutely. Thank, Thank you once again. Okay. Uh, seeing no further discussion, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-51. Again, a majority roll call votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Emblem. Yes. Flagry. Yes. Frangelo. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Sheridan. Yes. Romeo Ledger. Yes. Jones. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. Nine zeros. Motion carries. Oh, my favorite resolution. <laughs> resolution 23-52. Cable funds in support of PEG service and programming per Mass General Law Chapter 44, subsection 53F, three quarters. Clerk will read the resolution. Motion to waive the reading. Second. <laughs> Motion and second to waive the reading. Uh, roll call vote. Clerk will call the roll. Call manager. Yes. Aaron. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Angelo. Yes. Flagry. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Jones. Vice Chair and yes. Chair. Yes. Waive the reading, sir. Move resolution 23-52. Second. Motion and a second to... Um, move resolution 23-52. Jamie, anything? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> any questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-52. A majority roll call votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Sheridan. Yes. Frangillo. Yes. Hamlet. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Romeo Ledger. Yes. Jones. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. And Motion carries. Thank you. Uh, next item on the agenda, Town Administrator's Report. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So um, we put on the agenda for tonight uh, the, housing, the migrant housing uh, uh, crisis update. Um, I thought it was appropriate um, to make sure under at least the Town Administrator's Report, and I'll explain why in a moment. Um, that the community try to get as much information as we know um, now that it's been a couple weeks. Um, so we're just going to take a few minutes here and I'm going to do the best I can to walk through some of the talking points that I jotted down just to make sure I got all of the information. I understand there's a million questions. We have them. We'll get that to in a minute. Uh, so I just want to let everybody in the community know um, I was called by the governor's office uh, less than two weeks ago actually two weeks ago tomorrow um, that uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts had leased the Best Western Hotel here in Franklin um, through June 30th of 2024. Um, and they leased 100 rooms, which is in fact the entire hotel. Um, I sent a press release out uh, throughout the community um, and, uh, and people have gotten wind of it. Um, immediately that day, maybe the next day, exactly when we drafted it out, um, we wanted to at least let the community know. This is commensurate with what a lot of other communities have been doing in the same situation. 
Um, we've kind of seen a trend of hotels being occupied. The staff had even communicated a few weeks before. Um, we had no word or no heads up on this. Um, but when you saw the hotels becoming more and more around 495 in the Pike in Worcester County, um, it seemed inevitable. And sure enough, a couple weeks after the staff had uh, met to discuss what folks could do in other communities, we got the word from the governor uh, less than two weeks ago that that hotel would be used. Um, I just want to make sure the, the most common comment misinformation that I hear from people, and we've certainly heard from a lot, um, is that the town made this decision. Uh, the town council, the school committee, or the planning board, I mean, it's all over the place. Um, I just want to make sure the public understands all of the decisions that have been made on this entire issue that you see in the news or in the newspapers, 100% of the decisions are made by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. There was no local vote, there was no ballot initiative, the council, we haven't even met, actually, I think in the time that this happened, right? Because the last meeting was a few weeks ago. So the town council, the school committee, no board has had any role in any of the decision making. It's really important the public understands the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the governor, Healy, is the one making the decisions on this. Um, the town to this point has not spent any local funds or expended any local funds um, on this issue. Okay, so there's nothing that the town has spent. All of the money that is going towards this issue is being paid for by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. How that's being done between the governor and the legislature, legislature and the governor, we still have yet to figure that out. I know that the emergency shelter line item in the state budget had an appropriation of 324 million in the FY24 state budget. Our budget doesn't come close to that amount. Um, and so, um, you know, really with the exception of staff time on the superintendent or myself, some of the support staff, we haven't spent any other additional town resources yet. Uh, Governor Healy did declare a state of emergency on August 8th. Um, and just so the public's aware, most of the reason for that is to access federal funds um, in terms of disaster relief. Um, I do not have any more information on that. I don't know if money's coming, when it's coming, how much is coming, and what for it's coming. We don't know anything. We declared a state of emergency, and we just went through one of those recently. <laughs> so we're familiar here. Uh, there's gotta be some federal state coordination, um, and, um, and also I believe the, the declaration also helps expedite some of the work visa issues that many of the migrant families, who by the way have been here in the country for many, many months or years, um, you know, those visas are being held up at the federal level. So, um, and in her declaration, the governor did describe the situation as unsustainable. August 24th, just last week, I think, um, Governor Healy did uh, uh, also uh, announced 250 National Guard members were gonna be deployed to hotel sites where there was not already a point of contact somewhere on site. The governor's office did tell me that the town of Franklin, the Best Western, should see a National Guard individual or multiple, we don't know. To date, as of this afternoon, when we last visited the hotel, the National Guard is, has not been on site yet. Um, we also did, and I'll get to the hotel manager in a minute, we also did talk to the hotel manager. The rapid response team, which is something many of you have heard in the news or others have read about, um, has been on site once. 
two weeks. So um, clearly, get through in a minute, clearly there's a need for state assistance at the hotel at some point, if not now. Uh, as of today, the hotel has approximately 110 individuals. And it changes by a few people maybe every day, but just for average, it's about 80 uh, individuals and about 40 children okay, that are over at the hotel. Uh, we're informed uh, that through the hotel, not the state, I should add, that in the next week or two, that will be up to 50 rooms. So right now, there's about 35 rooms being occupied. Next week or two, there'll be 50 rooms. And we are told that on October 1st, again, from the hotel manager, we are told this, we are not being told this by the state. So just exercise some caution because the state may change their minds, but we're told that on October 1st, all 100 rooms will be occupied by migrant families. So we anticipate based on current numbers, we're looking at about three to 400 people that'll be at that hotel. And I'm just doing raw averages based on what's there. We're looking at about 100 to 150 children we don't know if they're going to be school-aged children. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'll get to it in a minute, which is why the superintendent's also here. But today was the first day that uh, the superintendent's staff went to the hotel for ease um, to begin to enroll any of the students that might be prepared and be uh, in the position to actually enroll to go to school. So we just started that piece today. Um, that will take some weeks. It is going to take some time. Um, as people uh, maybe see, saw today on WBUR, there was an extensive article online and also on the radio um, talking about many of the challenges statewide for school districts in terms of capacity and staff, et cetera. Um, so we're gonna continue to work week by week, but that's about uh, the most that I have thus far. Uh, on those issues in terms of who, how many, we still don't really know. We only know what's there, we don't know what else is coming. Uh, I have to give a shout out to the hotel manager, Vicki. Um, she's unbelievable. Um, she is running this 100% by herself, okay? Hotel managers across Massachusetts, we're seeing this in other areas, um, that don't have the state resources yet. The hotel managers are doing all the work. The hotel staff are cooking the meals. The meals are being delivered directly to the rooms. Uh, of the individuals, um, and I can't say enough about her. Um, I know Chief McLaughlin went down uh, on the day the de declaration came from the governor. I went down on the Monday following. Uh, multiple staff, our public health nurse, Alicia, has been amazing. She's gone down every day to try to find the rapid response team, was there one day, connected about vaccinations, some other light, you know, logistical issues that um, licensed nurses can talk about. Um, but I can't say enough about Vicki. She is amazing and she's done a phenomenal job um, helping all of us and we believe that we've also um, helped her a great deal. She, I know she is very grateful um, for the leadership of the Chief of Police, the Superintendent, um, the Board of Health Director, myself, my office, Amy, uh, across the board. Um, she's fantastic. Uh, town staff are collaborating very well on this. Um, we've seen that Mansfield announced the task force. We haven't properly named it um, because we're just trying to do what we do. Um, we're, we're, not, we're, not really, we're not really in a position to be publishing press releases on these things. Uh, it's just not our jam. 
but uh, the superintendent, um, Dr. Rogers, Paula Morano, myself, Amy, the chief of police, the fire chief, uh, the board of health, the entire board of health staff. Um, we've also connected with the Interfaith Coalition. We've also connected with the Food Pantry, the Safe Coalition, St. Vincent de Paul, the YMCA, many, many organizations. I want to give a quick shout out to them for not rushing into action so fast that things got bottlenecked. This was one experience we saw from other communities was the rush out of people's warmness of their hearts to sites actually created bigger problems. And so we did recommend in the press release, please do not go to the hotel. Um, because at the time, there was nobody there either. Um, but um, I have designated a Board of Health Director, um, Kathy Liberty, to be the point of contact on behalf of the town on this as we kind of um, work our way through this. And um, Kathy did uh, an exceptional job during the pandemic, and she'll do a great job with this as well. The other number one, or number two question I get um, is what about the hotel tax? Because <laughs> you know, we all care about revenues. Um, we have been informally assured that the hotel tax will still apply to the room uh, occupancy. But we don't have that in right. Um, I have sent off a list of, uh, a short list of 20, 25 questions uh, to our state, 35 to our state uh, representative. Uh, Senator Roush has also been kind to email us to try to set up some time to, just to connect. Um, schedules are busy, um, but I know uh, many communities around here are, are worried about that. And they're also, as uh, Alan Earls had wrote an article today about Plainville, um, just got announced as a hotel. Um, many of the communities on this area are, a little, are just trying to get the facts from the administration because as we found out, a lot of events are going on in these areas. Patriots games, Dean College has a homecoming and a football game um, where they need rooms. These rooms were all booked, 100% occupancy on these weekends for the hockey tournaments in Marlboro, concerts in Gillette, and so forth. All of these hotels, not every hotel in Franklin, of course, but the hotels that have been designated have now, those, those folks who had those reservations have now had to find some other place to be. And there is some concern coming out of Plainville and I'm sure Foxborough, like well, what about meals tax? What about eating? You know, is there a tourism impact? I have no idea. I'm just, as one example of the exasperated hypotheses that we have, it's just one of a menu of issues that I know the community has questions on, the council has questions on, we have questions on. We don't know, and that's okay. Um, this is a moving target. This is a, a huge undertaking for the administration. Um, what we have tried to do as a team right now is follow the best directive from Governor Healy as we can. Uh, I believe it was in Statehouse News Service today, so it's a public forum, that uh, someone from the administration is gonna do a briefing with the legislators um, of the host communities. Um, and it appears that there'll be a, 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 some other forum um, come on uh, Friday morning for town managers to hop onto a call to get more information. I don't know really how much more we're gonna be able to explain, but um, um, that's it. Um, just really quickly to, to kind of tie things up, um, you know, I, as, as I just mentioned, I sincerely understand the listeners at Zoom, uh, at home on TV, we understand there's <coughs> 500 questions out there. Um, if I had the answers, I would be talking about them right now, but I don't. Um, and so I just really urge everybody in the community to have patience and understanding. 
Uh, obviously, compassion for those that are over there. Um, there is no need yet that we have identified the basic services. Um, from what we understand, the meals have been getting served. Um, there has been some connection over, over infant uh, diapers and other types of things like that. When there is a need, we will hear from Kathy, we will hear from the hotel manager and or the mm -hmm. state. We will rally the community at the right time. Uh, we just ask everybody to have some patience and understanding that this is a state of emergency. Um, the governor has admitted that this is an unsustainable crisis. Um, and so when you have a state of emergency and you deploy the National Guard, both of which happened during the pandemic, and you're dealing with federal assistance, there's a lot of connection points that need to happen in order to answer all of these questions. So um, I do want to thank the community um, after the initial announcement. Um, everyone has been uh, overwhelmingly positive. Um, the calls to the office have been positive. People have been understanding, and I do really appreciate people um, heeding the advice that was in the original press release um, to, to not rush over to the, uh, to the hotel site. And out of respect for the hotel staff who are in a position right now that is very challenging and they're doing an amazing job, out of respect to them as well, they're trying to triage this like they do any emergency themselves and, and to try to make sure that they have the space uh, in support of the community to do that. So um, I guess that's about all I know, Mr. Chairman. And uh, just hopefully that update was helpful for the council and the community. Um, the more we hear, we'll transmit that on to the public. Um, I suspect that a lot of legislators and other town managers and selectmen and counselors and other communities have a lot of questions as well. And hopefully we'll get those answered as soon as possible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. And I asked Jamie to put that under the town administrator's report, just mainly because there's just so many unanswered questions that to have it as a discussion item when you don't have any answers to the questions was would not be a good place for it. So I asked him to give us, give the council, give the community the, all the information that we currently have. And uh, just to piggyback on a couple of things that Jamie said, uh, Vicki, the, the manager at that hotel has just, the communication from her has been absolutely fantastic. She's, uh, she gets to it, she tells us what's going on. We hear things from her before we hear it from uh, the governor's office. And again, to all of our listeners, this is not a town decision a town council decision. This is coming from the state, from the governor's office. And as we get information, we will certainly pass that information along to the community as we get it. Uh, it's when not keeping any secrets here, we're just telling you the information when we get it. And uh, I know Superintendent Darren's here, please. Lucas, uh, I know Jamie spoke with Lucas, and maybe he could just give us a little bit of an update as to your uh, communication. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good evening, everyone. Mm -hmm. Thanks for uh, having me. And I just wanted to reiterate that Jamie, first, thanks for setting the context for the situation. I think that helps, and the press release helped. We sent a communication. If you're a parent in town, you would have received a communication earlier today from me. I referenced the press release, which I thought was a, was a tremendous
transparent communication. And I wanted to also say that we appreciate the teamwork that we have. Um, all of our departments have been meeting um, pretty regularly. Uh, Jamie's been great about communicating the updates as far as what's happening at the state level, and we need to continue to do that. I know that's the plan. I just had a few other key points. As a public school, we are responsible to provide education for students, regardless of their backgrounds or circumstances. So students or children who are residing in Franklin have uh, not only a right, but we have a moral obligation to educate children uh, who are in um, a variety of circumstances and situations. And that's what, what we do as a public school. Um, we are preparing, as Jamie said, we don't have a lot of detailed information to share at this time, but what we are trying to do as a collective team is understand the totality, and I think because we're going to receive information weekly that changes and um, whatnot, I think we're all trying to be as responsive as possible, and um, I think that's all the more reason for us to stay as a, as a team and continue to communicate. Um, you brought up Vicki, uh, she's, she's really stepped up and, and is, is a real leader in that building. I wanted to just bring up two. I've been in contact with the DESE, which is the Department of Education, mm -hmm. around this. We've been um, discussing, they've referenced funding um, for students and support for that. I have not seen a dime or heard anything else, but I know that that's something they've communicated, so we'll continue to pursue that. I'm also in touch with other superintendents in other communities like Foxborough, like Norton, um, other communities that have um, begun this process as well, to just fact check, what are you doing? What's working, what's not? What are, what are we doing? And try to share information. I was there today at the hotel to do pre-registration. No students have been placed in Franklin Public Schools at this time. Um, the focus from our group, our town department group, but also from our contact at the Department of Ed was focused on enrolling and getting school up and running for the students that we currently have in our community. Get that rolling. Uh, this week, the early childhood, which was our last group of students to transition for the 23-24 school year occurred. And now we've, uh, we're focusing on understanding the students, the number of school-aged children, because not all students are school-aged. Some are um, younger than school-aged um, that are at the hotel and try to identify the grades, the learning profiles, the uh, language needs, all of those pieces are, we need to have the full picture so that we can make some thoughtful decisions around where uh, placement will be and whatnot. And we have not made any of those decisions, so I can't answer any specific questions on that. The final thing I wanted to mention was, last piece. Oh, the word migrant, I just want to be clear, uh, and I, I needed to do this for myself, I googled the word, word migrant because I hear immigrant and migrant used synonymously, and I think it's an honest error for some folks, and, and words matter, it's, it's, a, it's a detailed thing. Migrant is a person who moves from one place to another, especially in order to find work or a better living condition. So um, I just would want to emphasize what I do know and what I've seen is there are a variety of people in the hotel, um, some are from within Franklin um, and homeless or looking for uh, uh, stable housing, people outside of Franklin, but within Massachusetts, some out of the state, some from out of the country, um, but I think it's a broader uh, definition. Migrant encompasses a lot of different people that are uh, within our community uh, that, that would, would qualify for that and that are placed in, in the Best Western. So I'm happy to answer any questions I can, but I wanted to provide that and, and I want to thank you for organizing the team that's working, um, including the library, too. Felicia's been great. Yeah. Thank you, Lucas.
Okay, uh, more to come. Uh, and as we get more information, we will pass we will pass it along to the council and to the community as we get it. Okay, moving on. Subcommittee reports. Kathleen was not met. We have not met. EDC, you have. We have met. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, through the chair. The EDC met two weeks ago, and that's when you, you got the zoning update that we talked about changing the um, to the business zone. Um, and then we met tonight about another town council goal for the term, which was about the snow removal bylaw. Um, we've asked for more information and to get and to have a bigger discussion about it, at, and we'll come to the full council uh, at our next council meeting. And I'd like to thank Amy and Brutus for all their work on it. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Uh, budget subcommittee has not met. Master plan, Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, the master plan committee meet recently met on August 21st. Uh, mostly went over scheduling and talked about making plans to attend the Harvest Festival. Uh, on September 30th, we're going to have our own booth. Um, our next scheduled meeting is next Wednesday, September 13th, uh, where we will be talking about taglines, uh, reports on uh, our subcommittees, um, and a report from Beta Barrett for our consultants. Um, everything's moving forward and going well, as just as planned, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Uh, Davis, there, reuse, have you met? We haven't met since, since, since the last one. Last okay. Uh, police station building committee, we did meet. We had our first meeting and we uh, <laughs> were getting started. Uh, it was basically an introductory meeting and we talked about going out. Uh, obviously, the first step is uh, to get an OPM uh, owner's project manager on board. So we uh, talked about getting going with a uh, RFP for that. And I know Attorney Sorrell has written so many of these that he has every I dotted and every T crossed. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough to work through a few of these with him. And I know we'll get that up and going as soon as possible. Uh, that's about it for that. Gatra, uh, Councilor Frangillo? Nothing? We have not met. Okay. Okay, future agenda items. Councilor Frangillo. Nothing at this time. Councilor Sheridan. Nothing at this time. Councilor Hamlin. Nothing at this time. Councilor Comey Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, could we get an update at a future meeting on larger capital projects that have been perhaps suspended for a while, in particular the two at the high school? I'm getting questions about the um, spectator bleacher project that was uh, money was appropriated but it got kind of tabled for a while and also the lighting project that was supposed to happen behind the home bleachers to provide a little more security during home games. Okay. So mm -hmm. that would we'll be get great. an update on that. Sure. Thank you. Uh, Councilor Chandler? Nothing at this time. Councilor Plagley. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Through you to Jamie. Um, I'm not going to ask questions now. This is just a yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. This uh, is the cupola at the museum, where we stand with that being um, 
completed, and also the Habitat um, at the Habitat for Humanities, the old museum, an update as to what's happening with that. Sure. And Oh, the Brick School. Okay. An update on the Brick School. Please. Okay. During the uh, next uh, town administrative report, if you can give us an update on those three, that would be great. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Calabria. Councilor Jones. No, sir. Councilor no, sir. Okay. Councilor Comments. Councilor Frangelo, I'm doing you first because otherwise I'll forget. <laughs> okay. Well, I will say, I, I, um, I'm in. St. Louis, I apologize for not being there uh, in person, but I'm uh, in St. Louis um, for a conference with other local elected officials from around the country. And I look forward to uh, sort of reporting back to you all uh, some things that I learned. Awesome. Thank you. Enjoy. Thank you, Councilor Sheridan. I just want to thank for the update about Dean College and congratulate the promotions today. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I'd like to thank thank President Elmore for the update as well. Um, thank Jamie and Lucas for the update on the migrant situation. I know it's very stressful. Thank your whole team for everything you guys do. Um, and don't forget the Franklin Farmers Market is Friday from 2 to 6. It's still going on, even though it, it feels like it's not really, doesn't really feel like fall. It's still summer out there. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Um, but uh, don't forget to still go down to the comment on Friday. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you to everybody that made presentations tonight. Thank you to Jamie and the entire team for how they're handling the situation at the hotel. I know that that's going to be incredibly stressful. Um, on Wednesday, September 13th, there is a volunteer fair at the Black Box. Something new, uh, this came out of the arts and culture discussions back in the spring that there was a need to get nonprofits from Franklin together to have a table and Ray Lynn and her team stepped up to offer the space at the Black Box. So that's happening, it's free. So if the public would like to come and learn about how they can get involved with a particular project, if they have students that maybe have hours that they need to fulfill, um, or if you just want to learn about what other nonprofits in town do, uh, it's a great opportunity, um, and you get to come in and see uh, that beautiful space um, and learn a little bit more about what the theater does. Um, and finally, I just want to wish all of the boys um, for the Franklin football team uh, the best of luck tomorrow night with their opening game and uh, Saturday with JV and Franklin playing in Wachusett. Um, I have gotten to watch how hard those boys and those coaches are working. Training camp was every day for two weeks in that heat from 7.30 in the morning till 6.30 at night. And those boys never, ever, ever stopped. My son included, I'm very proud of him. So best of luck, boys, make us proud. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Cormier Ledger. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, got another email this week. <clears throat> it actually kind of goes towards what we were talking about by the fire station. Now, there's a sign, say, you might understand what I'm talking about, Mr. Chairman. If you're coming from South Franklin, you're heading north towards 495. 
the fire station's right there. Yeah. Okay? It just has a sign that says, stop at light. But it has no sign that says, do not block the driveway of the fire station. It's so frustrating that, I mean, you've probably seen cars literally drive around another car that stopped and did the right thing so that the fire apparatus could get in and out if they had to. But they just block it. Could we um, please look into a better sign? We, we can that was a great email. We, we can absolutely okay. do that. I had, I'll explain I, had, I had a conversation <laughs> with the chief about this okay. about eight months ago because I watched fire trucks come out of the station and not hit the light. Yeah, and just go rather than because that light should come on and turn it red. Turn red, yeah. and they weren't always hitting it. Oh, that has been corrected. All right, so this uh, is now this is an additional piece, and I agree with you. There's it just says stop at right. and like yeah, it yeah. doesn't say do not block that. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. All right, just we can certainly small. look at that. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Okay. Anything else, Councilor Chairman? Um. I know the town has a um, relationship with um, um, Edward Augustus. He used to be at the dean, president. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this, but I saw he's now the executive secretary office of housing and livable community. Mm -hmm. So I believe he's like second in command about this whole situation behind Governor Healy. Maybe he could give us some insight. I don't know. <laughs> Jamie, I just ahead. saw him uh, a month and a half ago. Amy and I both did at a okay. manager's conference. Um, in fact, I invited him and introduced him. Um, and he gave a little bit then, but wasn't much. Um, you know, he's the, I think the official is, title is the Secretary of Housing and Livable Communities. Yeah, that's what, um, yeah, that's what I said. You know, you know, when you open a secretariat, you have no staff, you have nothing. It's just you and a friend, or, you know, I think. Laura went with them, who was the staff member. Many people probably go here. But then you have to hire all, you have to hire a whole team. Um, so I think my guess is that Secretary Augustus is up 20 hours a day dealing with this. Um, but the Lieutenant Governor has a lot of experience on this issue. She was a mayor for 16 years. Mm -hmm. um, and our governor is no, no, you know, no newbie to uh, office as well. There's a lot of capacity. I think it's just trying to put all the pieces together. I, I was just looking for anybody that could give us help. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chairman. Councilor Pelegrini. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I just wanted to bring up Joanne Sims. She's a she was a, a employee here for the town for many many years in the finance department downstairs. Um, she passed away. And her son, Stevie Sims, he just retired. He was here this evening. And um, I just want to send our condolences to the Sims family. That's all I have to say. Thank you, Councilor Pellegrini. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, ditto to everything that's been said in regards to the firefighters. Congratulations on the promotion. Uh, thank you for President Elmore visiting us and giving us a wonderful update. Interesting discussion on Tri-County. Um, and I do have to say is that um, I hope we take an opportunity after this long meeting tonight to go out for a drink and have a margarita in remembrance of the late great Jimmy Buffett, who passed away this week. We had to bring it up. Um, <laughs> heart and soul of that kind of genre. 
Thank you, Council and Margarita. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, a couple things. I, I have to agree with Councilor Chandler, uh, somebody that drives King Street almost every day. Um, at 4.30 in the morning, I could be parked before, before the fire station and people will be flashing, two people will be behind you flashing your light to move up, to move up. I mean, it's crazy, yeah. it really is. Um, it's just crazy, but I, I, can, see, I can see what it is. Yeah, thank you. And um, I'd have to send out condolences to Gloria Rollins. She, she was, she's worked, uh, my wife worked with her for like seven years in the school, Franklin schools. She's a 50-year employee of Franklin, in the Franklin uh, cafeteria. And uh, my wife used to have to go over and get, you know, when you retire, you have to, see, you have to sign the paper saying that you're still alive. And my, my uh, Glory, my wife used to have to go get a bottle of homemade wine for my cousin King to bring it over to Gloria every time. <laughs> she brought the paper over so she could sign it. So that was... Uh, that was it. May she, she was a sweetheart. May she rest in peace. And I should, uh, I should wish my wife a happy anniversary, considering today's our anniversary. Oh, you know, she's, okay. a, she's, a, she's a saint. Yeah. And she's probably asleep. <laughs> uh, That's it. How many, how many years, Vice Chair? Ah, uh, 33. 33. Uh, Okay, uh, again, uh, thanks to uh, President Elmore for coming uh, this evening and giving us that uh, great update. And uh, as we all said, you know, it's nice to see, welcome, uh, feel welcome yes. by, in the, uh, on the Dean campus. And uh, I think our local businesses are doing their part in welcoming the students to the community as well. And uh, all the promotions and uh, new hire this evening, congratulations to all of them. And a really uh, special thank you to uh, our town administrator, uh, deputy town administrator, and our entire staff, the chief of police, uh, our fire chief, our board of health people, uh, this a migrant situation came about just out of the blue. And the work that they've done over the past two weeks to trying to pull all of these pieces together is just phenomenal. And I want to thank you, certainly from the council, uh, for all the extra effort that was put in uh, to making these, these people feel comfortable coming into our community. So thank you. Okay, we do have uh, a need this evening uh, for an executive session to consider the purchase and exchange lease or value of real property because an open meeting may have detrimental effect on the negotiating position of the public body, I so declare. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to make a motion to enter into executive session for considering the purchase, exchange, lease, or value of real property because an open meeting may have a detrimental effect on negotiating position of the public body. Not resume open it shall not meeting. resume into open session. Second. Motion and a second. Roll call vote. Clerk will call the roll. Cormulegic? Yes. Charlie? Yes. Samick? Yes. Angelo? Yes. Plagri? Yes. Hamlin? Yes. Jones? Yes. Vice Chair? Yes. Chair? Yes. And there. Motion carries. We'll take a five and four minute break and then we'll go right into executive session. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.